You are now entering the Why Horror Podcast. Warning. Spoilers ahead. Hey guys, it's Orianne with the Why Horror Podcast. Today, for our season finale, we are interviewing up-and-coming filmmaker Paige Troxell, aka Paige Joy, or if you're on TikTok, The Final Girl 13. Paige has a new documentary that just came out called Fred Heads, and it's all about people's obsession with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. She also has a film on YouTube called Don't Fall Asleep, uh, which is also very very much so related to the Nightmare franchise. You can check those out before listening to this interview, but you don't have to. Uh, If you want to get Fred Heads, it is available on Amazon for a couple of bucks, and starting on June 25th, it'll be on Tubi for free. All right, let's get into this episode. Today is a very special day. Justin, do you know what today is? Uh, why, yes, I do. It's our season finale and our first interview. We have our first interview. We're so excited. Justin, you have an amazing intro for our first ever <laughs> guest. Paige, please tell us all about this woman. Yes. Our very special guest tonight is someone who has turned her fandom into something truly incredible. She bears her soul in this love letter to A Nightmare on Elm Street and its fandom called Fred Heads. To the horror community on TikTok, she's known as one of the most knowledgeable and insightful fans around. You may know her as Final Girl 13. Please help us to welcome the creator and co-director of Fred Heads to the Why Horror Podcast, Paige Joy. Hey, girl. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited and I feel incredibly honored that I'm your guys' first guest. We're so excited. This is so amazing. We're so excited. Uh, So we have a handful of questions for you. I do. I think Justin does. We're probably going to Mm -hmm. overwhelm you with questions. But first of all, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Today's been a good day. I'm prepping to go to Chicago. My little sister's graduating college, and so we're getting ready to drive 12 hours. (laughs) You're driving? Where where are you located? I live in Washington, D.C. Oh, I've made that drive before. The worst part of that drive is the entire stretch of Ohio, where you have to go the speed limit because Ohio is nothing but cops just waiting to pull you over. And it's so flat and it's so, and I love Ohio, but like, it's so boring to drive through. The like, drive is just, horrible. It's and miserable. It, yeah. I didn't know you lived in Washington, D.C. That's where Orianne and I met when we were raver oh. trash back in the day. <laughs> I love it. I was raver trash too. I love it so much. That's amazing. Yeah. We Wait, just, are you always from that area? No, I'm from Chicago. So I, I moved here about six years ago when I met my husband and he couldn't transfer and I could. Yeah, I moved for a boy. Have you visited the Exorcist steps yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, so many times. I love it. It's, there's a, a bakery right around the corner, too. So, like, we go to the Exorcist steps and we walk right around the corner. And I love that. I've told this story before, but on my drive from to Maryland, like, where I lived from Southeast D.C., I would purposefully go out of the way so that we could go to the Exorcist steps and run up and down so we could kind of wear out the copious substances that were happening and <laughs> try to get home. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, I had a friend on quite a bit of drugs hit his head so hard on a giant tree that, like, overarched the Exorcist steps and, like, almost <laughs> went down the Exorcist steps. I'm like... <laughs> No, no, no. Oh don't recreate. Don't do it. Oh, I love it. If that were my death statistic, like I would be okay. <laughs> oh, died on the exorcist steps? Yeah, you, yeah. you would. You would. There are two things that have already come up today. 
Justin thinks he would be an excellent dream demon, a la Freddy Krueger, which I agree. I could see him haunting people's dreams and doing, like, mischievous things. Maybe not, like, yeah. child molestery things like Freddy Krueger, but definitely, Oh, no, I like... hate children. Maybe, <laughs> like, the assistant. Like, the assistant, like, running around, like, the like just helping out and, like, being like, hey, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this child's clothes out of their closet. They're not going to do the sweaters missing. Yes. Or I'm going to take this sock out of the dryer. Like, he's... More like, um, what's that movie? Little Monsters. Uh, Little Monsters. Monsters. Yes, yes. More like that type of demon. Than I love that movie. Yeah, that's more Justin's vibe than Freddy Krueger, thank God. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be like, who am I friends with? <laughs> uh, where in Chicago are you from? I'm from the South Side. So um, I grew up like three blocks away from Chicago White Sox Park. So. Okay, gotcha. My, My sister life. lives in Pilsen. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm from Bridgeport. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. And Canaryville. Both, both. I'm from both. Cool. Well, I'm glad that one. you... <laughs> I'm glad you got out of Chicago winters. They <laughs> are brutal. They are real. Uh, okay, Justin, do you want to start with a question or do you want me to start with a question? Go ahead. Okay, my first question. Uh, what got you into filmmaking? Oh, I love that. Um, so I, I come from like a really expressive family um I have a really huge family and we were always like putting on plays and like holiday plays and stuff like that and my mom was always like filming herself like doing like fancy from like through the McIntyre and so like I always grew up with like a camera around me and then when I saw um Scream I was like 11 years old I saw it in theaters and I saw Wes Craven's name on it and I realized oh my god Wes Craven made my favorite film in Iron Elm Street and here he's making this other film that's now my new favorite. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you can actually do that. Like, you can actually make films. And so I, I started making them when I was young, like, with my my friends. I would make, like, knockoffs of, like, Scream, and I know what you did last summer. And I would have my grandma's video camera. And I never realized you could turn it into a career career until 2016. I made um, Don't Fall Asleep with Heather Lagenkamp, DeAndre Laser, and... Tim Gunsinger, who are also on Redheads. And we made a, a fan film. We thought we just wanted to kind of like give like a love letter to Nancy because she's so important to us. And we hadn't like, we'd like film stuff or like YouTube here and there, but we hadn't actually done like a film film. And so we uh, were like little kids running around on the set and just had so much fun and realized, okay, this is the space that we need to be in. This is what we need to do and what we want to do. And so from there, we launched our documentaries. Like, in between, we've all, like, done, like, shorts here and there. Like, kind of been practicing and uh, honing our skills. And for me, I love, like, telling a story. And so I feel like docu the documentary spaces where I'm going to stay for a little bit. Um, and then eventually I would tell a we have We've got a couple ideas for some questions. But I love it. I love the industry. I'm just kind of getting started in it. And so it's, like, fun to kind of. And scary a little bit to like navigate your way through it. Scary is good. Yeah, scary, scary means you're evolving, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, you said the first film that you made was called Asleep. Is there anywhere that we can access that? <laughs> so you can go on uh, YouTube. It's called Don't Fall Asleep. Okay. And it's the untold story of Nancy Thompson. Okay, I'm so definitely You can watch on YouTube. It's like 45 minutes. And, oh, yeah. Um, Heather Langenkamp narrates it. She plays Nancy from Beyond the Grave. It's really cool. Like, we... It's it was really fun. Like I, I look at it now, and my skills in editing have improved so much in six years. I'm sure. I, like I joke, I want to like re-edit it and create like a director's cut of it and release it. But Do it. 
I love it. I I just don't have the time. I've got so much stuff going on. Um, but I do. I I do. I do want to go back up it and kind of kind of read. Justin, so, you I have something. I, I see your face. <laughs> Justin's like. He got so excited when you said oh. other logging camp, and, I, and when you said scream, I saw his eyes well, light. Oh up. yeah, there's so many um, things that you touched on in that beautiful intro that um, it kind of addresses so many of the questions that I have for you. You know, like we've gotten to know each other a little bit yeah. over the past couple months, um, but like you know, I'm always super curious about people and their collections and also their artistry. So now that you've been talking about you know finishing this and you know, what's happening next projects. You said something that I related to very heavily on TikTok the other day, and I'm sure Oriane and every artist will relate to, and it's that the feeling of what's next, like what is the next chapter in your artistic journey? You've devoted so much of your life to this singular project. And once it's out there, when it's beyond your control, who are you without this creative entity that you've been attached to? So my question to you is how are you dealing with that? And have you found what's next? Um, <laughs> how am I dealing with it? Uh, so I, I spent so much time on this documentary, uh, like hours and hours. And I, I found myself forced into kind of this break. My husband even was like, this is good time for you. Like downtime is good. You need like a recharge, but I'm the type of person that thrives in chaos. And so I thrive when like I have a deadline or if I need this to be done or that to be done and to not have any on the books is kind of like teaching me to have a little bit of patience and have a little bit of like a break and just and relax because I mean, realistically, it's only been a couple months since our release, but in this industry, like you're already on to your next one before it even releases. And so I'm kind of just, I'm taking it a little slower. I'm my film partner when we were done with Redheads asked that we take a full year. And she's like, I want to take a year. I want to take a break. There's things I want to do. And I'm like, yeah, I, I totally understand that. Uh, but I'm not taking it. So I'm like moving forward. She's right. So I do have an. I, I'm ready. And so I, I have another project that I'm working on um, that our company is producing. And we're in the pre-pitch phase. Um, we've got some people from like Bloody Disgusting and some like other like podcasters and stuff who are going to be involved and um, some writers and stuff like that. And I can't like, officially announce the name of what we're doing yet or what the space is, but I think both of will be very happy. Can you give us a hint? I can't. Ah! Okay, okay, that's all right. You guys got to stay tuned and we'll do a follow up <laughs> interview with Paige yes. when she can announce it and we'll let yes. you know. We'll give them a cliffhanger. Screw it. Yeah. What is <laughs> a TV series that's the backstories of all of the Elm Street children from Dream Warriors? No, I would watch that. It's nothing to do with Nightmare. It's nothing to do in the, in the Nightmare space, but it is kind of horror related. And, uh, we're we're right now we're just in the pitch phase so i've got like my pitch deck going and we're we're going to be reaching out to some of the bigger stars of this of this thing and um try to see who's on board and then we're going to launch i want i wanted to launch in june but there's just so much going on so i'm hoping in july but i will definitely come back on and talk about it you guys will love it <laughs> i'm telling you you're gonna love it amazing I have a question related to all of the horror conventions that you went to for the fred headstock what are the best horror conventions? I mean, I know it, you can't say this is the best, this is the worst, but as far as advice oh, to Justin and I, okay, <laughs> good. Um, we want to know which ones we should go to and which ones we can skip. 
Okay. So um, I'm not going to say which ones you can skip because I could be That's totally fair. liable for that. <laughs> but I will say the ones that I think you should go to. I think Horror Hound is a huge staple. I think clearly um, in our documentary, like Horror Hound was, was given so much love. And I think that's because they truly embrace the fandom and love the fandom. And uh, it started out so small and it has expanded so big now. But I think that them being able to bring in huge stars to their conventions proves to the testament of what they offer people. Um, and it's really well like run for the most part, it's really well done. And I just, I really enjoy it. Um, and then Texas Frightmare, we only went once and it was so chaotic, but it was so much fun. What was that one? Um, I'm sorry. I missed it. Texas, Texas Frightmare. Oh, uh, gotcha. I think it was in Dallas. And that was so much fun. Um, there were so many people and it was so hot. But, like the energy inside of there was like so great. Um, and then of course, uh, Monster Mania is just so great. Like I, I love going to Monster Mania. We go all the time, like even when we weren't filming. Um, that one's a little bit smaller than the other ones. So it feels a little more like a, like a home convention, like that, that homey feeling that we talk about in the documentary you feel that more like Monster Mania because it is a smaller community. Um, but it's, it's, those are the ones that like I frequent. And there are a bunch of other conventions and they're all good and they're all great. But those are the ones we do. That's amazing advice. Thank you. Uh, let's take a five minute break for a couple of announcements and maybe we'll do an ad for those uh, horror conventions so people can figure out how to get to them and when they are and where they're at. Be right back. Sweet. Have you ever been to a horror convention? Justin and I like to go to Monster Palooza, and this year we're going to hit up Midsummer Scream in Long Beach from July 28th to the 30th. I'm excited for that one because I live in Long Beach, so I don't have to drive in LA traffic to get there. And also, a few industry insiders have told me that it's actually cooler than Monster Palooza. Sorry, Monster Palooza. I'm not trying to talk shit, but I am excited for Midsummer Scream. Earlier in the podcast, Paige recommended her three favorite horror conventions, and I wanted to give you guys the info for those in case you're not in California. Uh, the first one that she recommended was Horror Hound, which is in Indianapolis, Indiana, and that is going to be from August 18th to the 20th this year, uh, 2023. Uh, the next one that she recommended is Texas Frightmare, and sadly, that was in May, so we missed that one. Um, for my Texas people, that one takes place in Irving, Texas. Uh, but it was May 26th to the 28th. So on to the next one, which actually has three dates. Uh, Monster Mania is in Cherry Hill, New Jersey from August 4th to the 8th. It's in Hunt Valley, Maryland from October 13th to the 15th. And it's in Oaks, Pennsylvania from November 10th to the 12th. So hopefully you can make it to one of those four or five options. Uh, if you are going to go to Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, uh, message us. You can DM us at the Y Horror Podcast on TikTok or on Instagram and let us know and we'll keep an eye out for you. Hey guys, do you want to be on the Y Horror Podcast? We are looking for scary stars, horror industry professionals, and super fans of horror movies to come on and chat with us. So if you're interested in being on the show, DM us at the Why Horror Podcast on either Instagram or TikTok and let us know what you'd like to talk about. 
Also, we're always taking recommendations for future episodes, so message us your favorite scary movies and maybe we'll talk about them on the show. Okay, we're back. We made our announcements. I'm sure we'll make more. Hi, welcome back to the Why Horror Podcast. I'm Orianne. I'm Justin Mayfield, and our special guest today is the co-director and creator of the Fredhead documentaries, Miss Paige Joy. Ooh. Okay, before we ask any more serious questions, which good job to all three of us for being serious because it's not <laughs> a common occurrence, uh, I thought we could do a quick fuck, Mary kill. Now, I know this is going to seem off if you don't follow Paige on TikTok but she is a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. And I am also a huge fan of that show. I personally think it's the best show ever created, but I don't think anybody can top it. Uh, I would be shocked if someone could. Uh, so I have a I have a Buffy-themed Fuck, Mary Kill for you. Uh, oh, I'm excited for this. Okay, this is going to be fan-specific. Justin's not going to be able to answer it. Paige, maybe you can help me get him on board with watching Buffy because he hasn't and he, like, isn't about to. I'm like... What are you doing with your life? You have to. How do you Just even? It has the like, first season. The first like, season's hard. It's yeah. 13 episodes. It's Monster of the Week. It's not really story driven, but like it's so good when you get to season two. As soon as you get to the. Arc. I'll, well, 100% agree. We're going to start working on it. We're going to start working on it. Okay, yes, so it I loved the movie so much. And I think that like the show came out and I was like just such a purist, like little asshole that I didn't give it a chance. And then like it was on during a time during my life where it was all very turbulent and I didn't have TV at like certain times. And so just kind of, you know, certain things fall to the wayside of life. And you're like, maybe now as like a 40 year old man, I'm not going to want to go not back. Not an and excuse. None of that is an acceptable excuse. show about vampires. <laughs> like, uh, I felt partners the same way. She, she can't stand it either, but she was a huge fan of the movie. And well, I they're two very different it. things. They are, but the series honors the movie. Like right. the series, they, it does little nods to it and little fun things. Like even in the first episode, he's like, you burned down the gym. Like, because that's what you want to happen at the end of the movie. Right. It's hilarious when she leaves the gym. Like, I don't, I think you would, I think you'd enjoy it if you actually watched it. Watch the first okay. two seasons. And if you get to like the middle of season two, and you're like, this is not for me, then it's not going to be for you. But if you get to the middle of season two, you might fall in love with it. Fantastic if advice. And we'll watch Revenge under my recommendation. I will give Buffy a chance. I, I'm watching Revenge, Revenge right now. I, I'm watching oh. it right now. It's I okay. It's good. It's no Buffy, but okay. Fuck no, Mary Kill. Buffy. Fuck Mary Kill. Uh, this is specifically for you, Paige. Fuck Mary Kill. Glory. Dawn. Or the lizard guy that spills Dawn's blood and opens the portal. Okay, so we're going to marry Dawn. Fuck Glory and kill the lizard guy. A clear choice. A clear choice. choice. Keep the portal closed. Marry the innocent nice one. Although Dawn was a pain in the ass. I might want to marry Glory for like, it would be a wild ride. (laughs) Who's Elijah Dushku on that show? Faith. Her. I would want to marry her. (laughs) Oh no, not in this show. (laughs) No, honey. It's not Dollhouse, honey. No. No. Oh, Your school has no gymnastics team. This is a last resort. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I love everything she's in. Eliza Dushku is amazing. Like, and she's so not talked about. Like, Where is she? I, well, she, I think, just had, like, a baby. So she's, like, living the mom life. I think oh, she married, like, a billionaire, right? I think so. Good yeah. for good her. her. She married a billionaire and cut out of Hollywood after uh, coming 
uh, or after coming out about a Me Too experience, I believe, on the set of True Lies when she was really, really small. I think she got, uh, I think she got assaulted by a producer or something like that. Um, I was a stunt performer. It was the guy who was setting her up for the stunts. Wow. She, she also had it happen again recently. And she sued the <laughs> studio and won $2 million for it. <sighs> yeah. Insane. Like, I love her. She is like, she doesn't take shit. Like, I don't know if I can curse that here. I'm sorry. But like, oh, my God. Oh, it's the whole time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good, good, good. But yeah, she doesn't take shit. Like, I love her. She's very much like a powerhouse and very much like a very strong woman. And I love everything she's in. She's such a great actress. Like, even in Wrong Turn, I'm not really a big fan of Wrong Turn. That's kind of a horror, like, I don't know, I'm not that big of a fan. But, um, but it was, she was even good in that. Okay, hold up. Let's get this straight. What did happen to Eliza Dushku, since we're all such fans? Okay, so she did marry a billionaire. His name is Peter Plangian. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Peter, babe, sorry if I said your name wrong. Uh, She married him in 2018, and they have two kids. He is a billionaire. Uh, He, as of 2023, his net worth is like $6 billion. So go ahead, Eliza. Um, He is the CEO of Intercontinental Real Estate Corporation, a company his father founded. Um, He was also a professional tennis player, and he was like Harvard's number one player when he was in college. He is like the epitome of like, a white billionaire like he is like generational wealth and like looks every bit the part is such a like it's he's it's very like exactly what you probably expect but go ahead Eliza Dushku get that coin uh she was when she was a child as we discussed molested by Joel Kramer the stunt coordinator on the set of True Lies she was quoted as saying it has been indescribably exhausting bottling this up inside of me for all of these years um that's heartbreaking to hear and even more heartbreaking is that years later in her adulthood Alicia was sexually harassed on the TV show Bull by actor Michael Weatherly um the description of this harassment is just like disgusting. I mean, just what a piece of shit. And obviously the allegations were true because CBS paid her $9.5 million in damages. Not that that makes up for it, but again, I'm glad that she got something. Uh, Yeah. So we can get back to the show now, but I just figured since we're all such huge fans of Faith from Buffy, we'd better get the story straight. Okay. Back to the show. Like Lone Survivor, wasn't she one of the stars in that one? That yeah. Weird... Oh my god, I just did it. I did a TikTok on that recently, and everybody was like, "Oh my god, I forgot about that movie." I was like, "It's horrible." I've never oh seen god. it. Don't watch it. It's not good. It's a lot of pretty people. It, you know, it's not great. Do you know what I tried to watch uh, after one of our? We did our April Fools' podcast on the April Fools' movie. Uh, I tried to watch April Fools' Day Two. Oh my God. And I like paid, it's the worst $3.99 I've ever spent on the internet. And that is hard to say, but I got like 15 seconds into it. It's all shot on like bad video. It's just like the quality is so bad. I just, I was like, the acting was so bad. Everybody looked so terrible. I was like, Oh God, get me out of here. It was a nightmare. It looked like a, a, like one off version of like a Melrose place, like a generic Melrose place set. <laughs> okay, Justin, why don't you ask a more professional question? I'm yeah. sorry with my fuck Mary kills. I just 
can't. So you know, in on your in your TikTok presence, because this is like you know where I know you from and where we've gotten to know each other. In a lot of your response videos to people that are making like you know gross, ignorant bitch comments or even just off the cuff remarks challenging your Elm Street knowledge. Like, you go into a full-on horror TED Talk. It is, like, three minutes of this eloquent and yet very diplomatic response that is clearly very well-researched, and there are cliff notes and, like, sources ready to be cited. So my question is, are you good at improv? Because it seems like you would be amazing. <laughs> um. Yes and no. I actually, I have a stutter and not a lot of people know that. And I talk about it sometimes on TikTok, like I'll randomly like throw it into a TikTok here and there. Um, but for some reason, I, like I said earlier, I thrive on chaos. And so being put on the spot almost like gives me a heightened sense of like awareness in my head. And I am, I'm really good at improv because it's rare that I research a TikTok <laughs> It's more so just grabbing like the photos in the moment of being like, oh, okay. And, um, you know, I, I dabble on the, the 420 side. And so for me, like, that's a little, yeah. <laughs> in here is um, infused tea that I made from my own cannabis that I grow myself. Yes. Oh, I love that. Oh, my God. I tried to grow a plant and it didn't work. Well, but it's I am. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's, it was so much work. But like, I, so I like. Sometimes I'll do that before TikTok and like get like inspired and like in my head plan out what I want to say. And then um, I just, I really like to speak on topics that I know. Like I don't ever want to like speak on something that I don't know because I don't want to say something wrong. And if I do say something wrong and somebody like calls me out in the comments, like I like being the bigger person and being like, oh, I totally fucked up. Like, okay, I was wrong about this. Like, oh, wow, you taught me something. I don't ever want to shame anybody. That's, that's my thing. So Sometimes yeah, I'll, please. I'll the internet has enough of that. Yeah, like it's such a negative place. Like we we need like a positive put in their place a little bit. And so I, I teeter on that that line of sarcasm, but also sometimes I'm serious. Like so I don't know. I, I that's that's what I do. But I'm glad you do. Well, you're very diplomatic too. Like that's the thing. Um, and you know, given that you are full face, like I find as Bella Lugosi, I don't get attacked for my opinions as much because people are like, "That's just a fucking clown. Who cares?" You know what I mean? Right. Be nice but, to yourself. You're not just no, a fucking no, clown. No, no. You're a fucking fabulous clown. But you're, I think that like your your entertainment, like so they see that as like you're entertaining. Your entertainment is to where like I'm not wearing like makeup. I'm not in in drag. I'm not you know in in this performance, I'm giving my opinion as a white presenting woman in a very male, straight male dominated space. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't, I don't know if they don't necessarily, it's not that they don't like it, but I think that they, they're so quick to, I want to school you. I want right. to, you know, oh, okay. Yeah. So where I get a lot of mansplaining a lot on, on my TikToks and I, I, typically just ignore it or if it gets really bad and my followers like start attacking them and fighting. I hate when that happens when they start fighting the comments. So I just delete it. I'll just delete the whole comment. I don't block It's I don't, easier. It's easier. It's easier than like doing the whole call out culture and stuff like that. I'm and not, they're not, not going to really change their it. mind because you were no. right or you even if you calmly explain to someone who has that personality type and has that kind of misogynistic tone online, they're not going to change because of it. You're not going to solve that problem right. there. So why waste your time? Um, you mentioned 
that you were one of two females in a Nightmare on Elm Street forum. That's where you met another woman from the film, from Fredheads, the documentary, Deandra, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah. How was that, being the two females on there? Were they receptive, was, or was it tough? It was so receptive. I think the Nightmare community is different. I think they're very different than any of the other fandoms, and that's not to put any other fandom down or say anything negative about it. But I think Nightmare on Elm Street in general is so female-driven, um, just based on the love of like characters like Nancy or Alice. And so I think that I think that it was it was different for us. I joked that like when I found out she was like 15 in that forum, I was like, oh no, no, I'm not gonna let you be in this forum by yourself with like all these like adult like guys. But really, like it was it was not even like an issue. It wasn't even like a thing. But That's really refreshing. That, yeah, it's it wasn't like people weren't like hitting us up or anything in the, or like you know it wasn't it wasn't a thing. It was a really great place where a lot of us, uh, not just DeAndre and I, but a lot of us connected in these in these forums, and that's where we really learned a lot about a Nightmare on Elm Street and really learned a lot about the fandom in general. And um, I thank God for that forum because you know DeAndre is one of my closest friends, and so I would have never met her if it wouldn't have been for that forum. That's amazing. I love that you bring up, you know, the women-led series. It was uh, Rachel Talalay, right, who yeah. uh, worked her way up through the ranks of New Line and then eventually was, like, the head bitch in charge of the movie. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know that until I watched Never Sleep Again. And I was like, hold up, that is amazing. Like, way to climb that ladder and smash yeah. that fucking ceiling. What's her name, Rachel? Rachel Talalay. Oh. Yeah. She, yeah, she started in the mail room at New Line. She was, like, she was, like, Nail, like mailing letters and stuffing letters and stuff, and then she worked her way up to directing Freddie Fred. Oh, well, I want to read her book. Like she should write a book. One hundred percent. We'll do uh, the <laughs> slash the patriarchy segment on her. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I I didn't do one last month because we just had so much of me talking, and I was like, nobody wants to hear any more of me. I had not. Uh, yes, Justin. we do. Oh, you're so, sweet. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean. There's got to be a balance to like. Yeah what we're talking about and both of us getting in there. And I just said so much that I was like, you know what? We'll skip it. Um, what, a, what a thing to skip. Of course, I was like, there's too much woman on this podcast. I guess I'll cut the slash the patriarchy segment. <laughs> so while we're so focused on like women and horror and everything, you know, you're a huge horror fan. You love horror toys and you famously make your own final girl action figures, you know, and historically toy makers have always been really stingy about making female figures in any case. And this goes back to the dawn of, you know, toy making because they always feel they don't sell as well. They're always the harder ones to come by. And there's a huge stigma that also follows, especially men that are playing with girl action figures. And then also girls that are playing with action figures and it goes all the way up to the top. I don't know if you're familiar, like Todd McFarlane made a, a joke about giving boys girl action figures is the starting point for them growing up to be serial killers. And so like that is a powerful way to approach female toy making. So one what are your, I know so I shameful. Like it's yeah, so sad. I, what year was that? Like this was this year. Roland oh my, wow, viral what a loser. It. Yeah, I'll send wow. you the video. It's so alpha male dumb. I have a pointy little curved dick. Like, I can't mark that off my collection list. I'll never collect another McFarlane. Well, so then yeah. the question about it, um, you know, obviously, what is your response to the stigma? But then on a lighter note, 
what are like your top five final girl action figures that need to be made? And they can't all be Nancy variants. Oh my God, that's the hardest question. Okay, what was the first part of the question? What's your response as a fan to the stigma behind female action figures not being made? I It sucks. I, I have been in the room where conversations have happened on certain people and their action figures. And... I don't know what I can say legally. I never, I never signed an NDA, but I did sign some stuff like saying that we couldn't film. Don't burn places. a bridge for this little dog yeah, pony but, show by but, all means. <laughs> but let me tell you this: um, they insulted this person by lowballing them super a low amount, and um, I have, I have literally like it blew my mind when I when I found this out. Um, because we were so close to having certain action figures of certain final girls <laughs> and it just didn't happen. And so it really bothers me that there's that, that stigma out there. I, I grew up playing with action figures. I have um, a godfather who I call my brother and he was like my best friend. And so he was into action figures and I always hated that there were no girls, that there were no girl action figures unless there was like G.I. Joe, like they had the like uh, or something. And then when Power Rangers came out, it kind of showed that, like, everybody can be into, like, action figures and action heroes. And they were making, like, Morgan. really intrigued me. Exactly. And I, I was a huge, I'm a, still a huge Power Rangers. Love Power Rangers. Uh, it's so amazing. And so um, I was, so I was, like, very thankful that, like, we had those at least. But they just were so few and far between growing up. And so, like, I relied on, like, McDonald's toys. Like, I'd get, like, the little bell. And she would be my little action figure playing and fighting with, like, yeah. my brother's action. Yeah, yeah, with like the, a mixed cast. Yeah, right. Were you into Captain Planet? Because they made Linka and Guy back in the day. Right, and so I think that I think they just really think that girls were all about dolls and pretty and really. And I, don't get me wrong, I was that too. But I still loved the action and the adventure. And so yeah, you when need I, a, you need an array of toys. Kids are yeah, into toys. Yeah, like Shira. Shira was perfect. Oh, yes. that's my main bitch from childhood. Let me tell you. Guys, we have to take just a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I want to get Paige's top five, either final girls or whatever, characters that you think yeah. should be made into female action figures. Yeah? Justin, why don't yeah. you come up with five as well? I'll try to come right. up with five. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do five, but I'm sure I can. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Bye. Hey babes, welcome to our monthly Slash the Patriarchy segment where I tell you about a fierce female who is making leaps and bounds working in the horror genre. This month, thanks to Justin and Paige recommending it, I am going to teach you a little bit about none other than director Rachel Talalay. Rachel was born in Chicago, but was raised mostly in Baltimore, which I thought was cool because I'm from Baltimore. Hey, Baltimore people. How are you? Uh, she also spent some time in Britain. She went to Yale University. Go ahead, girl. And she majored in math. I'm like, take that, that patriarchy. Um, and she also, this is important, ran the Yale Film Society. Technically, her directorial debut was the film Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare in 1991. However, Rachel worked on the first four nightmare films, utilizing her skills to create better special effects on a budget. So if you are a fan of the special effects in any of the nightmare films, which I know you are, uh, that's Rachel, babe. She was behind a lot of that. 
Uh, also, just a little aside, because uh, being a woman in any industry has its ups and downs. Uh, despite her talents, she reported she regularly received notes from coworkers and bosses telling her not to be too girly or too sensitive. Like, they were always telling her that. Uh, she also directed a cult classic, Tank Girl, in 1995, which is about as not too girly and not too sensitive as you can get. Um, and she's also worked with John Waters, a Baltimore favorite, on his movie Hairspray and also Crybaby, which are like two of his most famous films if you're a John Waters head. Mm, fun fact, John Waters even officiated Rachel's wedding. So, Rachel's a badass. She works in horror. Hell yeah, Rachel. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the fabulous films and keep slashing that patriarchy, girl. Let's get back to our show. Hey, welcome back to the season finale of the Why Horror Podcast. I'm Justin Mayfield. Hi, I'm Orianne. And this is... And we are here with our very special guest, one Miss Paige Joy, the only final girl we care about right now. (laughs) Hello, how are you? So do you guys have your action figure wish list ready? Yes. Okay. Who wants to go first? You, You, you're the guest. Yeah, Paige first. All right, so obviously I want Nancy Thompson, but I want her in the pajamas, the sledgehammer, the coffee mug. I want, that is the, that is the true Nancy that we deserve, not Dream Warriors or Western Superman. That's, those would be great, but that's the true Nancy we deserve. I also want a really good Helen Shivers. Like, I made my own custom, but I feel like if we had an official Helen Shivers with, like, her scepter and her crown, like, I would love that. And then um, I think that we need an Alice figure from, from A Nightmare on Elm Street. She's still alive. Alice lives. She fought two movies and survived. And I also would like a Taryn figure. You have to and do Taryn. You got to do it. Like, can you imagine the mohawk? Yeah, it would be cool. Accessories? Like, it'd be so cool. And then Kirsty Cotton is one that I think I would want to. Is that five or is that four? I think that's five. One, two, three, yeah. four. That's five. Wait, yeah, who's Helen Shivers? Helen Shivers from, I know, she's Sarah Michelle Gellar. That's our girl. Oh, my God. I cried. I cried when they killed her. Okay, this is so vain and stupid. But I had, like, really beautiful blonde hair in high school, and I accidentally dyed it, like, this really ugly color. And I, when I like took the foils off, I was watching that movie. And right when I took the foils off is when they killed her beautiful blonde character. And I was like, Oh, I know what have I done? Like what a stupid teenager, but I love that movie so much. Oh, that's a great franchise. Oh yeah. Oh God. That makes me want to like add even more to my list. Cause I was just watching scream three the other day. And I always get so mad when Parker Posey dies in that movie. Cause she's just like, that it's so iconic because her and Laurie Metcalf are in one horror movie and it's the campiest, nuttiest. Anyway, so yeah, definitely Jennifer from Scream 3, played by one Miss Parker Posey. Definitely Taryn. I also wrote Nancy in her pajamas. I would also like Kristen in her pajamas from part three, Patricia Arquette. I would also like Alice, but I want tough girl Alice after she goes through her nunchuck makeover and everything. And my final one would be Amanda Kruger with the Freddy arm coming out. (laughs) That's good. That's good. I do not have a list of five, but two really stand out to me. The punk rock girl in Night of the Living Dead 2, Justin, that movie that you love so much. 
Wait, you you mean Return of the Living Dead Part yeah, 1? Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Ah, uh, Linnea Quigley playing the exquisite Trash. Yes, so a Trash doll and then also a Samara Weaving from Ready or Not. I got the name right. I didn't say oh, Are you I sure come. that's Where what it's called? Are you sure that's I, what it's called? What, what else did I think it was called before I kept messing up the <laughs> name? the other one? Okay, well, do you know Hide this? and Seek. Yes, yes. Yeah, I kept being like, I oh, in this movie, Hide and too. Seek. It's the same premise, like ready or well, not, exactly. is hide and seek. So exactly. it's like, yeah, exactly. I, I, I understand that. I um, love the tomorrow we can get though. But yeah, that, that bloody wedding dress. And then I'm just trying to think of like I th- I feel like for me, uh, the outfits of dolls was really important. So I love horror, but I also love fashion. So I'm just thinking of like looks. Um, I would like the uh, the nun, the mother of Freddy Krueger. I think yeah. that would be a good one in like the cream and white. Yeah, maybe like the with old like the woman version. Maybe like a ripped oh, you can up have dress. The alternate head. Yeah, maybe the old woman <laughs> version and the young version. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the that. nun too from the the nun movie would be a cool it's, doll. I never saw the nun film. I, I, it's not good. But it's the, a whole the, huge disappointment. It should not be added. But I will say, I did have a client dress up as the nun, and we did like full face prosthetics and everything for Halloween. Yeah, and like, it was awesome. Annabelle, like things that are just visually really stunning, I feel like should be action figures. I think yeah. if it made like a visual impact, obviously I saw quite a few people with like life-size Megan dolls at uh, Monster Palooza the other day. Uh, I would love to go to Monster Palooza. We wanted to go so bad for front heads. We just couldn't do it. Like, but we, I'm dying to go to like an LA like base or like Arizona base. Honey, it was hot. It was, was crowded. It? Everybody had really bad BO. That's that's every convention now. I know I figured as much, but it did feel so. Last year we went to Monster Palooza on a Sunday, kind of at the tail end, and that was more my vibe. I'm not like a huge yeah. crowd person. Uh, Saturday was a little much for me, and also we didn't go and do anything really. We just kind of like walked around. When there's not a huge crowd and it isn't like a stinky kind of mob scene, that's really fun to do to just observe and kind of be amongst your people, you know? But when it's that crowded, if you're not there for something specific, like a celeb meet and greet or like the museum experience or something with some kind of structure, it was kind of like, eh, we, we had a better time last year and I think we'll probably do it on Sunday next year. Even yeah, and Friday Son of Monster Palooza is good too. I actually, that's where I first took Bella Lugosi out. Was Son of Monster Palooza, which is on my birthday weekend in October, and it was like much smaller, way more chill. And I don't know, I, I actually kind of like enjoy that more. And it's, it speaks to what you were saying earlier about some of the more small town, like hometown cons. That's what I grew up with um, before, like going to San Diego Comic Con and stuff. And you really. And it's the same with concerts and stuff. It's always better to see an artist like play in a bar than it is to see them play in a stadium. Like, right. Right. I've heard really good things. Uh, We can talk about this another time because it's not whatever. (laughs) But I've heard really good things about the Midsummer Night Scream, too. A lot of the girls that I know here uh, in and in L.A. that do like booths at Monster Palooza have switched to that because it's kind of like it's little cousin that's coming up. Uh, Okay, we have time. For two more questions. So Justin, do you want to ask another one to Miss Page? Well, yeah. So we were, you know, we mentioned Wes Craven. We mentioned your diplomacy online and the ability to change your opinion about stuff, which speaks very highly to you as a creative, right? So when the trailer for the new Scream movie came out, because of all of the Nev Campbell drama, you took a very uncharacteristic, like hard stance against it. And I like here for it, all the power and everything like that. And then eventually 
you know, you saw the movie. It's actually like it's a great movie. Orion and yeah. I saw it together. And so you switched over the opinion. And like, I love the ability for someone to do that as an artist. So that said, if Nev is not invited to come back for the future of the franchise, will you continue watching? I think it depends on who makes the film. I think if A24 or Radio Silence, I was going to choose them. Radio Silence. Because aren't they, because I always get A24 and Radio Silence confused. I don't know why, but Radio, so Radio Silence, people who have made the last two films, if they make the next film and it doesn't have Nev in it, I think I will see it. And I, I, I really enjoyed this last one. I was very gung-ho. I was like, I know it's not their, from being in, in the production side of things, I know it's not their fault that Nev wasn't getting the money. It was Paramount's fault. Like, they're the ones who were refusing to pay her. And so it was never against the filmmakers of not wanting to support it. And I always had planned on seeing it. I just didn't want to see it in theaters. And then some friends of I, ours, uh, Epic Film Guys podcast, I don't know if you guys have heard of them, they do all these, like, advanced screenings and stuff. And they saw it, and uh, the two of them are my husband's really close friends. And they were like, you're really going to want to see this. And I was like, okay. I was like, all right. And then I had another friend who was like, oh, you definitely want to see this movie. I saw it in screening. So everybody was like telling me, like, you're going to want to see this movie in theaters. And then I was seeing, like, people online and on TikTok talking about it. And they were getting so excited for it. I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. Like, I, I'll go, like, during the day. I'm not going to go, like, on opening night or anything. And so we did, we went, we went during the day and I saw it and I was absolutely blown away. Like it felt like a Wes Craven film. It was very story driven and there was a lot of care given to the core four and a lot of care given to the franchise in this. And I, even with the throwaway line of, of Sydney Prescott, you know, in hiding, like, I think that there's no place that she could have been in this. I don't think there could have been a spot for her to fit in the story. And I liked like that it wasn't like you can tell that oh she was supposed to be right here and now she's not because we don't care enough so for that reason alone i would i would support another film without her but of course i do wish she could come back to the franchise i do feel like the it was different watching a movie without Sydney prescott because she is screen and that is what wes has always said wes has always said that there will never be a screen without Sydney prescott as long as making the movies so <sighs> you just can't art. go you can't go dying and have a franchise no. continue or people are just going to do whatever the hell they want to <laughs> right exactly so i didn't know that your stance was that you weren't going to watch it okay well you're back in yeah. you're back in baby sorry they yeah, got you I'd they got it. you with a decent film and and good production that i'm sorry it uh, did. It did. okay this is my last question, and it was a toss-up. There's a question I really want to ask you because it's superficial and it's really in my lane. Ask but... any questions you want. I don't care. Well, okay, this is not superficial. Today is Robert England's birthday. I didn't realize that we were recording this on Robert England's birthday. That happens all yeah. the time. I love, like, these little kismet moments or these big kismet <laughs> moments. Have you met Robert England? Oh, so many times. Oh my um, God! How is he? What does he, he smell like? What yeah. does he smell like? Dad. He smells like wool. I don't know how else to describe That's it. That's perfect. Wool, like a wool, like a good old wool wool sweater. Um, he's great. Like he, he's great with his fans. He truly, truly, truly knows and respects the community and knows the fandom and knows that he would not be here with them. And I, I, Heather's the same way. And I think that Robert, um, most of the, all of them, 
But I think that Robert is just, he's so good with his fans. And the reason why his lines are so long and they stay as long as they are is because, you know, he gives each person so much time and makes you feel like you're the center of the world. And he knows that spending that $120 for that two minutes that they're in front of him is going to be so impactful for them. And so I, I love it. I, I think he's such a great guy. And yeah. That's everything I wanted to hear because he's, that's exactly the vibe him. he gives off. That's exactly I mean, the opposite of his horror characters, yeah. but absolutely the vibe he gives off, even when he's acting, you still kind of get this like paternal, very like cool vibe, but he gets the genre. He gets what fandom is for him and what they give him. He gives back. Yeah, that's great. I, he's listed as my dad on Facebook. <laughs> 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 Like you know what's funny? Movie. I always say Elvira is my mom, and like in different scenarios, like on shows that I've helped to like pilots and stuff that I've helped during, like listen, if I'm on it, I'll devote my entire pay if we can cast Elvira and Pee Wee just in yeah. a seat. Like, come yeah. on, <laughs> you know? I love Elvira so much. No, he, I meant, he, I, I love Elvira. No, I was gonna say I love Elvira so much. I love the, I love all the eighties like stars, like the whole like big like. Elvira is really everything to me. And a, a long time ago, when I was very broke, I went to a horror convention and people were paying for her photo and everything like that. And I got up there and I was like, listen, I don't have any money to pay you. I just need to tell you how much I love Mistress of the Dark. And I used to have a red ring and I would play with it and just went on this whole like 30 second just vomit of stuff. And she goes, that's so sweet. Come and sit next to me for a minute. Aww. I wanted to cry. I just sat there with her and like, she was so gracious while she's giving attention to people that are paying and, you know, making them feel special. I'm like, I want to cut a piece of her hair off. So. <laughs> Justin, <laughs> I'm going to pause you there. Not that anyone asked me, but you know, much like a TikTok influencer giving you their skincare regimen, we're going to tell you why we chose the name why horror for the podcast. You know, horror takes so many different shapes and forms and everyone's fandom is so completely different and when you ask people why they chose this genre to work in why they chose it to represent them as a human why they chose to relate to it on an emotional level it is always a completely individualized answer so we chose to name it that why horror to explore why people love this genre why they work in it and just why in general so today we're going to ask our very special guest the co-director and creator of the Fredhead documentaries, one Miss Paige Joy, why horror? Why horror? I love horror. Um, I think that for me, I learned who I am through horror, through horror films. There, there is a film for everybody. And I think particularly for me, I am drawn to the survivors in horror films. And I relate so much to those characters and I think horror films speak to so many people who feel othered right whether you know your your race or your sexual orientation or you know anything about you you feel you feel othered by mainstream society and horror kind of represents that horror has never been really serious by the media uh, and I think that we relate to that because we're working through our traumas through seeing these films, in particular, like The Nightmare on Elm Street or Scream, where you see this strong woman stand up to, to essentially the bully. And it's such a powerful message. And a lot of the horror films give that message. Also, a lot of them are fun. 
and they're just fun to watch and it's good to sometimes just check your brain off like I'm gonna put on killer clowns without out of space when I get out here right because I'm like I just want to like check out and watch a fun goofy horror film I'm gonna finish watching Poltergeist 3 are you? Oh my god, I love it. I, oh, I'm, so I'm watching good. Don't Fall Asleep. So good. Are you ready? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I was so excited. No judgment on the editing. But um, of course not. I think that I think it's just I think horror is so important. And I think that everybody relates to it because everybody can find something in a horror film that they relate to. And you necessarily can't do that in an action film because you 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 aren't always gonna be the Sigourney Weavers, right? Or or the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, right? No, I am a Barb at best. Okay. <laughs> right, but like in the horror films, it can be, you're, it's ordinary people who get put in these situations. And that's what I love about it. I, it's very comforting for me, which is, you know, a lot of people are going to be like, oh. But it's very comforting and it just feels like home. And I also really love the community. The people in the horror community have become like my family. And... I think that without these films and without this genre, I would not have the life that I have now. And so for me, it's why not. Oh, why oh, not? Jesus horror? Christ, how good was that? Good oh my God. Good, honey. All right, you guys, that is all the time we have for today. I want to thank you so much, Paige, for coming on. Uh, let's go ahead and really quick give us your social media links again. And also, where can we find the Fred Heads documentary? Yes, you can find Fredhead's documentary on Amazon.com. You can get a physical copy, you can rent it, you can go to Voodoo and rent it or purchase a digital. And then on June 25th, it is going to be So exciting for you. I'm so excited for people to see this. And then um, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at the final girl 13 URL instead of I am. Girl. Girl. Thank you so much for coming on. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Everyone have a fabulous rest of your day. Good night. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to read. You guys didn't think you were getting out of here without the spooky song of the month, did you? I had to choose something from one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and I chose the song Anything, Anything by Dramarama from Nightmare on Elm Street 4 when there was the karate scene. So without further ado, here you go. Okay, guys, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time.